Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Saturday, January 14th, and that means it's time for the weekly recap. One quick note before we dive into that, there are two ways to listen to The Breakdown. You can hear us on the Coindesk Podcast Network feed, which comes out every afternoon and features other great shows alongside The Breakdown, or you can listen to The Breakdown Only feed, which comes out a few hours later in the evening. Wherever you're listening, if you would take the time to leave a five-star rating or a review, I would so appreciate it. Now, for this weekly recap, we are, unfortunately but necessarily, catching up on the latest in the SBF shenanigans. However, before we do that, we do have to do an update with some news from Thursday night. I actually had to record Friday's show before the news of the SEC going after Genesis and Gemini broke, so a little bit of an update on that. Late on Thursday night, Gary Gensler tweeted, We at the SEC charged Genesis and Gemini for the unregistered offer and sale of crypto asset securities through Gemini Earn. Crypto intermediaries need to comply with our securities laws. This protects investors. It promotes trust in markets. It's not optional. It's the law. Now, the SEC is alleging that both companies engaged in selling unregistered securities. The lawsuit does not make any claims about the status of crypto tokens as securities, but rather the interest-bearing earned product itself is allegedly a securities offering. The SEC said in its lawsuit filing that, quote, The defendants offered and sold the Gemini Earn agreements through the Gemini Earn program without registering. As a result, investors lacked material information about the Gemini Earn program that would have been relevant to their investment decisions. The SEC appears particularly concerned that the Earn product was offered to retail investors rather than restricting to only taking on institutional and accredited investors. The filing also highlighted the lack of proper disclosure of the risks taken by Gemini and Genesis in their lending activities. In announcing the legal action, SEC Director of Enforcement said, quote, The recent collapse of crypto asset lending programs and the suspension of Genesis's program underscore the critical need for platforms offering securities to retail investors to comply with the federal securities laws. As we've seen time and again, the failure to do so denies investors the basic information they need to make informed investment decisions. Our investigations in this space are very much active and ongoing, and we encourage anyone with information about this matter or other possible securities violations to come forward, including under our whistleblower program if applicable. 
The SEC claims that Genesis are liable for damages in this situation due to their close involvement with the urine product and their knowledge that the product would be offered to retail investors in the United States. Almost immediately, Tyler Winklevoss, the co-CEO of Gemini, responded in a Twitter thread. He writes, It's disappointing that the SEC chose to file an action today as Gemini and other creditors are working hard together to recover funds. This action does nothing to further our efforts and help earn users get their assets back. Their behavior is totally counterproductive. As a matter of background, the EARN program was regulated by the New York Department of Financial Services, and we've been in discussion with the SEC about the EARN program for more than 17 months. They never raised the prospect of any enforcement action until after Genesis paused withdrawals on November 16th. Despite these ongoing conversations, the SEC chose to announce their lawsuit to the press before notifying us. Super lame. It's unfortunate that they're optimizing for political points instead of helping us advance the cause of 340,000 EARN users and other creditors. We look forward to defending ourselves against this manufactured parking ticket, and we will make sure this doesn't distract us from the important recovery work we are doing. But seriously, what is the point or urgency here? The EARN program has been shut down for almost two months. For the avoidance of doubt, Gemini has always worked hard to comply with all relevant laws and regulations. Any suggestion to the contrary is unsupported by the facts. Now, Tyler is obviously a biased source in this, but he was not the only one that thought that this was way more about political grandstanding than real consumer protection. Representative Tom Emmer writes, Gary Gensler is once again late to the game, quote-unquote, protecting no one. Quite clear that his political regulation through enforcement strategy hurts everyday Americans. Gary Gensler, when can we expect proactive guidance instead of leaving the industry to interpret the rules of the road through your after-the-fact enforcement actions? Now, there were some folks who weren't that surprised. Bill Hughes, a lawyer at Consensus, formerly of the DOJ, said, SEC has probably been investigating Earn for over a year. These investigations average around 18 months. Coinbase publicly reported that the SEC said they'd sue Coinbase if they went to market with practically the same product. So if you're surprised, 2023 is going to be a doozy for you. Also no surprise that they were sued after the EARN program collapsed. You want to jump to the front of the line? Lose investor money. Losing the money meant the SEC couldn't not sue. SEC thinks everyone is violating the securities laws. You're next if you provide a catalyst. Still, by and large, the industry has had it up to here with Gary Gensler. Adam Cochran writes, quote, Today we kicked two companies while they are down, claiming to protect you after the damage was done. We did this instead of providing clear and consistent guidance in advance because I don't like the industry. I do, however, like political gain, so here's a video for my brand. Adam is, of course, referring to yet another cringe Gary Gensler video that accompanied his tweet. Adam goes on, Next time someone asks me why I don't work at a large VC firm and instead just have my own family office, I should send them this tweet. Too many big firms in this industry walk on eggshells rather than call out this clown. The reality is that unless Gensler is replaced, he will continue regulation by enforcement. The only way we win is calling it out, fighting back, and establishing precedent in a court of law that can overrule him. Now look, when it comes to my take on all this, I don't think Gemini is some innocent bystander in the problems going on with the EARN program. I've said that every time I've done a feature on their fight with DCG. I also am surprised at nothing and think that Bill Hughes' point about the fact that the SEC had to do something in the wake of this being probably true. But I also think that there's no way to read Gary Gensler's actions for the past few years and not think that his first, second, and probably third motivation is his own political advancement. There's literally no justification for these unbelievably awkward videos that he keeps producing with himself as the star otherwise. At the same time, I think that, and I've thought for a while, that the only way that these things are going to get settled is in courts, so I hope that Gemini does have the fight in them to actually fight it. But speaking of courts, let's move to today's main topic, a catch-up on SBF and FTX. 
There have been a number of different revelations this week, and frankly, the biggest headline was that attorneys for FTX say they've recovered more than $5 billion. Lawyers for FTX said, quote, We've located over $5 billion of cash, liquid cryptocurrency, and liquid investment securities measured at petition date value. We do not ascribe any value to holdings of dozens of illiquid cryptocurrency tokens, where our holdings are so large relative to the total supply that our positions cannot be sold without substantially affecting the market for the token. End quote. This also doesn't include the $425 million in crypto being held by the Securities Commission of the Bahamas. Now, these numbers confused a lot of people because FTX's new leadership had previously said that they could only locate around $1 billion prior to the court hearing on December 20th. But still, that $5 billion number is what's been reported, and so for now, it's all we have to go on. There was, however, a lot more that came out in the hearing this week as well. Lawyers for FTX confirmed that Sam Bankman-Fried had instructed his co-founder Gary Wong to create a backdoor and accounting software to enable suspicious loans to be made to affiliated trading firm Alameda Research. They said this secret line of credit was worth $65 billion, although it was unclear how much of this amount was tapped. On the shortfall to repay customers, FTX attorneys said, The amount of the shortfall is not yet clear. It will depend on the size of the claims pool and our recovery efforts. But every week, we come closer to completing the work necessary to estimate recoveries for the purposes of a plan of reorganization. They added that they believe there could be more than 9 million creditors. It was estimated that FTX's new executive team would need until April to complete this work. However, Judge Dorsey laid out a deadline of March 15th. Another big issue that's been floating around, the judge in the FTX bankruptcy case has ruled that the names of creditor can remain sealed for now. On Wednesday, Judge John Dorsey said, I'm reluctant at this point to say I'm going to require the disclosure. I'm going to overrule the objections and allow the creditor list to remain sealed at this point. We're talking about individuals here who are not present, individuals who may be at risk if their name and information is disclosed. Judge Dorsey said he would review the decision in three months. Other recent crypto bankruptcies have highlighted the problems with releasing creditor information in situations where a large cohort of retail investors form the bulk of the creditor list. In last year's initial hearings in the Celsius bankruptcy, the judge ordered the release of complete creditor information. That sparked widespread concern that Celsius customers would become the target of harassment or theft. The Celsius creditor list filing was also criticized for being far too detailed, listing not only names and account balances, but transaction histories as well. The decision in the FTX case may be used as precedent to protect personal information of customers in other crypto firm bankruptcies, including the BlockFi case, which is due for a hearing on this same issue next week. Meanwhile, according to data released by bankruptcy claims marketplace Xclaim, the $91.7 million in FTX claims listed on the site are trading at around 13 cents on the dollar. Other crypto bankruptcy claims from Voyager Digital, BlockFi, and Celsius are trading much higher. Voyager's claims are trading around 41 cents, BlockFi claims around 28.5 cents, and Celsius claims at 18.5 cents. According to Xclaim's chief strategy officer, Andrew Glantz, this massive discount is due to there being less public information available on likely recovery from the FTX bankruptcy. Glantz said that despite this lack of information, demand has been strong, with 80 new buyers onboarded in the last month. This pool of buyers include hedge fund and specialized distress claims traders, who are, quote, generally well-known in the restructuring community. Now, adding complexity and suppressing the price of claims is all of the numerous disputes in the case. Glant said, quote, You've got competing interests from BlockFi to SBF to creditors arguing over who owns Robinhood shares and the government going and taking possession of those. With all these little skirmishes, each one of those shifts potentially shifts value from one group of creditors to another. Join Coindesk's Consensus 2023, the most important conversation in crypto and Web3. Happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. 
Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer creators, builders, founders, brand leaders, entrepreneurs, and more. Use code BREAKDOWN to get 15% off your pass. Visit consensus.coindesk.com or check the link in the show notes. Now, when it comes to the regulatory side of the FTX fight, earlier this week, Senators Hickenlooper, Warren, Lummis, and Tillis co-signed a bipartisan letter to the judge presiding over the FTX bankruptcy case. The letter called for the appointment of an independent examiner, quote, to have full authority and resources to conduct a thorough, objective investigation of the activities that led to the collapse of FTX. The letter cast aspersions on the law firm representing FTX, Sullivan and Cromwell, noting that they had, quote, advised FTX for years leading up to its collapse, and one of its partners even served as FTX's general counsel. The senators questioned whether Sullivan and Cromwell had suspected fraud at FTX due to the lack of appropriate legal controls at the firm, and closed by saying, quote, put bluntly, the firm is simply not in a position to uncover the information needed to ensure confidence in any investigation or findings. Now, Judge Dorsey was not impressed with this communication, calling it inappropriate. He said, quote, I will make my decisions on the matters referred to in the letter based only upon admissible evidence and the arguments of parties and interests presented in open court. He added that the letter will, quote, have no impact whatsoever on my decisions, in this case which will only be based upon the facts and law presented by the parties. Now, all of that said, Sullivan and Cromwell was a centerpiece of a communique from Sam himself. This guy just cannot stay quiet. He is clearly stewing in his own juices over there in Palo Alto and dropped a very long piece called FTX Pre-Mortem Overview. I honestly can't imagine what his lawyers are thinking when he does this, but here we are. In that letter, he claims, among other things, that Sullivan and Cromwell do have a conflict of interest, and were in fact, quote, the primary parties strong-arming and threatening me into naming the candidate they themselves chose as CEO of FTX, including for a solvent entity in FTX US, who then filed for Chapter 11 and chose Sullivan and Cromwell as counsel to the debtor entities. Now, this is very in line with the rest of the piece. If you read Sam's preliminary testimony to Congress, what he would have delivered before being arrested, this is really more of the same. And what it amounts to is that I did nothing wrong and all of this was other people's fault. Sam points again to CZ and Binance for triggering the run on deposits, Genesis and other crypto lenders for tightening the credit lines that Alameda and FTX required to remain liquid, the John Ray-led bankruptcy team for not allowing Sam to raise additional capital to keep FTX afloat, and the overall crypto market for repeatedly crashing last year, basically anyone but Sam himself. The bulk of the substack is devoted to breaking down the state of Alameda's balance sheet throughout the last three years, which she's doing apparently for memory, which I don't know, seems to me a little bit in contrast with Sam's claim that he wasn't actually involved for the last few years. Sam continues to claim that if FTX hadn't been forced into bankruptcy by the new management, then Sam is sure that he could have found emergency funding and made customers whole. He repeated his claim that billions of dollars came in offered just after he filed for bankruptcy. And whatever he thinks he was doing, it's pretty clear that the crypto industry is just not buying it. I Am Nomad writes, oh, SBF writes fanfiction now? Ryan Shot Adams perfectly sums up my feelings when he writes, Sam's new Substack post is gross, blaming everyone but himself. I wish we could leave this guy in 2022. Gawker writes, Sam Bankman-Fried continues his creative torture of his defense team by starting a Substack. Udi Wertheimer writes, it's amazing to me that SBF is still comparing FTX to lenders like BlockFi, Voyager, and Celsius, who lent out customer funds with poor risk management. FTX shouldn't have been lending out customer funds at all, regardless of risk management. Yes, funds were stolen, Sam. And then, of course, there's Zero Hedge, which says, SBF says, I didn't steal funds, and I certainly didn't stash billions away. That's odd, because all of your former coworkers now say you did. 
The whole situation is sad, and nothing about Sam's letter is going to do anything to make it more likely that people are actually made whole in this situation. He is now officially fighting a PR war almost entirely in his own mind to the benefit of basically no one. Anyways, guys, happy January weekend. I hope you are doing something fun. I appreciate you listening as always. Until tomorrow, be safe and take care of each other. Peace. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NIA, or Stride Bank NIA, members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.